Hey everyone, this is Anna Firminov, and this is Modern Startup Marketing, a show that's shining a light on those startups that are taking their marketing efforts to the next level. And now to this episode. Oh my goodness, everybody. I am so, so, so excited because today I have Tara Hudson. She's the Senior Marketing Manager, Demand Gen, at The Mom Project. I am so excited. So prior to the mom project, Tara was at Instride, reinventing the education of today's workforce is what they do. And basically in partnership with leading global universities. And she's also been at Telesign, which is a communications platform as a service and a series B tech startup. About the mom project, if you do not know, I am a big fan. If you can't tell by my voice right now, (laughs) the mom project was founded in 2015. It's about 270 people or so and based out of good old hardworking Chicago, Illinois. And this is really exciting because not only am I talking to Tara um, from the mom project, but it is so timely given that, you know, we just had international women's day. We're talking about women's history month right now. And I have just been so passionate about the mom project. I've been following them forever. I love the mission of the company. I love what the team is doing. And it's a personal thing for me too, because I left the workforce twice to raise my kids, my babies at the time, Um, for eight to 10 months before going back to work in corporate. And so I align very much with the mission and I've been sort of maybe you can call it hounding Colleen (laughs) Curtis, who's the chief community officer to just like work together on something. Like I'll write my, like a blog post for you guys about my experience or let's collaborate. And so finally I've got you on the show. I'm really happy about that. So on the funding side for the mom project, they've raised series B, 35.6 million total. And what is it? I'll give a a brief blurb. And if there's anything I miss, maybe you can help me, Tara, fill in the, the gaps. But it's basically a digital talent marketplace and community that connects women, accomplished women, professional women um, with world-class companies like Accenture, Dropbox, Pinterest, Etsy, Facebook, I can go on and on. Um, The Mom Project is essentially changing the way that women work and redefining career structures by giving women the opportunities that are really in balance with their personal goals. So this is huge, especially during COVID times. And I'm talking so much. (laughs) I'll give you the floor for sure. But it's just like this respect is so desperately needed for work and life integration, especially now, especially when kids are at home or sometimes they're home and sometimes they're not and and families are at home and it's just like chaos. Right. So there needs to be a level of respect and understanding that companies give. And so this is huge right now. One more thing I'll bring up is that you recently partnered with Accenture to get more moms over there to do some good work. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. And then I was going to ask you about Serena Williams. Is she a strategic advisor to the mom project? She's first and foremost, my Shiro. But yes, she's absolutely a strategic advisor to the mom project. And she's the most amazing example of like the power of 
womanhood and motherhood absolutely love her. Yeah, it's. It, I get it. I get why there's a benefit for both, right? To work together. It's just very much in alignment with what she stands for, what you guys stand for. So super cool to have you here. Thanks thank for being you. on here. Yeah, absolutely. Let me say thank you so much for that warm and welcoming intro. I'm so happy to be your guest. And I've been looking forward to this ever since Colleen, who I like to call my fairy godmother, introduced us. So thank you again. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. So let's talk about you and your background. You've always been in tech, in marketing. How did you land at the mom project? Like, what were you looking for at the time? It is a bit of a long story. So let me, I'll dive in, but you're absolutely right. I've always been in tech. I, um, and in marketing, it's what I studied at USC fight on. Um, and what I've always been passionate about, specifically approaching marketing from the lens of understanding consumer behavior. So knowing what makes people tick, what makes them click, and what makes them buy and what makes them buy again, right? All the stuff that we marketers geek out of, out over. And as for what led me to TMP, I started my career in the mobile marketing industry. And after that is kind of when I had my first realization or thought of, hmm, how can I move myself towards a role that's impact-based where what I'm doing every day, even if it's in tech, is doing something for the better. So I then got into mobile security, two-factor authentication, helping companies protect their end users from the fraudsters and the bad guys. And then I discovered EdTech, really inspired by this mission of being able to bridge the inequality gap with education. And so you can see the wheels were starting to turn for me towards mission and impact. I knew that what I wanted to be doing every day and spending the majority of my time, which is now extremely valuable being a busy mom of two, like you said, is making a difference. And then big pause, big sigh, everything in the world as we knew it changed. The pandemic hit. I should back up and say that I first discovered the mom project in August of 2019 when I signed up on the platform. Then I was relatively new to my role as a mom. And I thought, wow, holy shit. Sorry if I'm not allowed to curse on here. You're you're allowed. (laughs) This company just gets me. Our amazingly inspiring CEO, Allison Robinson saw this huge gap and created an organization with someone like me in mind. And I thought, man, it would be great to work with them. But at the time, they were headquartered in your beloved Chicago. And I think most of the roles were local. So I just kind of stayed on as a community member and held that in my back pocket. And then flash forward to March 2020, everything came tumbling down. I was in a new role. We were in the middle of a lockdown, adjusting to this new work from home life. And then daycares closed. And all of a sudden, I'm juggling a demanding role, trying my best and failing to be like a full-time teacher, caregiver to an almost five-year-old and three-year-old, Grayson and Emery. I love my little humans. And then absolutely huge shout out to my husband because he happened to be furloughed at the time and he held it down for us. But Even so, I felt like I was crumbling. I, like many moms, felt this immense pressure and the weight of the world on my shoulders to keep it together, to sometimes be on Zoom calls from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., 
cooking endless meals, just this fatigue. And I almost gave up. I tear up thinking about it because it was just no joke. And so today when you hear and see about, you know, women, women of color like myself who have been disproportionately impacted by the pandemic, I know without a doubt that it could have been me. It really could have been me. Women have lost 5.3 million jobs in the last year and some 2.5 million have left the workforce altogether. I was ready to do the same. And so still a part of TMP's community, I found solace and solidarity every time I received an email with an article or a webinar or a blog post that just spoke to exactly how I was feeling. And then one night I got an email alert and I matched with an opportunity. I did a double take because I saw that it was with the mom project itself. Every, you know, most companies have become more open to remote roles. We as an organization, you know, about four months ago shifted to be completely remote, which I think is absolutely amazing. But at this point, I just knew that I had to, not only was I qualified for the role, but it just was with a company that spoke to me. I knew I had to crush those interviews for myself, for my sanity, for my family, and for all of the women out there who, like myself, were just struggling. I felt like if what I could be doing every day was driving demand to get more leads into the funnel, get more employers on board, and ultimately get more moms, more jobs, then I'd found my calling. So it's kind of those moments where like passion, mission, and work collide. And it's long-winded, but that truly is my story. And why I've told everyone when it comes to the mom project and myself, I was customer zero. And we're taught about that in marketing, you know, when you're studying, right? I was living this in real time. I understand it from the B2B perspective, but from the talent perspective as well. So that's how I got here. That is such a cool story. Wow. To have that, you know, email come through to be notified. And then it's like, it's actually at the mom project. Mm -hmm. So cool. Um, And that's, and that, and now you're there. I mean, that's really cool. Thank you for going through that. Did I miss anything about the mom project when I was taught? And you kind of added in some details on like what you're sort of up to helping them as within your demand gen role. Anything that I missed, like if you want to add in details of who you're for, what problem you solve, like you've got some really cool companies that partner with you looking for professional women to to help them with stuff. You got it right. I can tell that you are a fan and have been following us for sure. Um, The only thing that I would add is just, you know, our main objective is to really help women connect with companies that value and respect meeting them where they are in their career journeys. And this can come in many shapes or forms, whether it's skilling, training, flexibility, parental leave policies, benefits, and we ultimately help to drive those connections that result in these professionally rewarding work experiences. We can't deny that 2020 was an absolutely crazy year between the pandemic and civil unrest, the election, all of the heightened emotions we've just experienced so much. Women are in the fight of their lives and we're at risk of unraveling decades of progress. You know, we've had President Biden and VP Kamala Harris say that this is a national emergency. And we're also seeing at the same time an increasing shift in companies pledging to do better 
on inclusion in every sense. All these things colliding just means our mission at the MOM Project is even more critical. We're even more committed to making these shifts happen and to helping companies create these really diverse, flexible workplace cultures that attract, retain, and elevate all of the talented individuals. And just from a talent perspective, we have over 400,000 moms, dads, allies, we like to say advocates and supporters in our community. And that number keeps growing like 20,000 every month because we think that there's just this need for you know what we're doing at the Mom Project. Wow, 20,000 every month. Yeah, it's like kind of the right time, the right place, the right platform you, you've built, the right partnerships that you have. You're right. It's kind of colliding all at once. Super cool. All right. So from a previous boss, because I definitely stalked you on LinkedIn and saw what they wrote about you. (laughs) Previous boss says, Kayla, right? She says, I hired Tara to oversee demand gen at the mom project. And she made an impact within days of starting. She quickly came up to speed, tackled key opportunities to improve and then started on strategy while still executing exceptionally. Under her watch, inbound volume increased significantly while simultaneously decreasing cost per acquisition. So I wanna ask you, like those first days and weeks at the Mom Project, what did you focus on? What did you do? How did you sort of like tackle these key opportunities to improve? Oh, I absolutely love and miss Kayla, and I'm eternally grateful to her for believing in me. My first few days, I was in awe. You never know if, you know, once you get or you start working with a company and get under the hood, they're actually what they say they were. And if all that glitters is gold, but I can say that from onboarding to the welcoming and just the empowerment and trust, believing that they hired experts to do our jobs, I was just so elated and spent, you know, the first few days really getting to know everyone and the lay of the land and being a good listener. But also I immediately got to work on building out the demand engine because prior to me, there wasn't this dedicated resource. Um, I found and onboarded a B2B agency partner, quickly ramped them up while I ramped myself up as well, completely restructured our campaigns so that we could have more scalable programs, stood up detailed, measurable reporting to be able to optimize and move quickly, thought about the different approaches and tactics we should employ for the different segments of the business, so SMB, mid-market, enterprise, and then got to work. You know, people like to say at the Mom Project that we're building the car while driving it. That's definitely true. Um, I started cranking out new landing pages and ad creatives exploring new channels like Facebook and programmatic display, content marketing syndication platforms. I kicked off our first multi-touch integrated marketing campaign, so working across the different functions of the business, wrote our first ever ebook to support that initiative, launched our first nurture series campaign to engage folks who downloaded that piece of content, I said a mouthful, but I just think that it underscores how much opportunity I saw at the Mom Project, how empowered I felt, and just how inspired I was to be here. Wow, that sounds like a really busy time for you, kind of setting <laughs> setting all that stuff up. How did you make those decisions? Because you have to, there are trade-offs, right? You say yes to make the ebook, you say no to do something else. 
right? right. How, how did you make those decisions in your first days and weeks to like start heads down working on this stuff? I mentioned meeting with tons of folks and just trying to understand not only the business, but where they felt like the low hanging fruit were and where I could have the most impact in a short amount of time. Like what are these quick wins that we can stand up immediately being thoughtful about what I was implementing, but also recognizing that we are a market leader and a thought leader in this space. We have a shit ton of proprietary content and research and report going through our work labs function of the business. So how do I take this, I guess, content that already exists, reporting that already exists, and instead of reinventing the wheel, just repurposing it, for lack of better words, and spinning up things quickly while also thinking through strategy. And so just recognizing that I needed to make an impact quickly informed my decision. Yeah. So in those early days, like what worked really well? Do you remember like what was the, the, like the nurture series, the content repurposing, like what was working really well or maybe a few things together? I would say the content really worked well because we hadn't done it before. And sometimes that's a part of recognizing where the gaps are and what people might be hungry for because I mean, you are probably working from home right now. I'm working from home. Everyone is, in a sense, available to consume more. We're seeing people consume podcasts and they're ready to read things. They're looking for distractions in their days or just looking to understand more. And so when you not take advantage of that, but you understand that and you put those things out into the universe, you're helping move people along that buyer journey. Like maybe they might not understand that there's this need, but you're creating awareness around the need or around the ways that you can potentially partner together. And that's extremely important. Yeah, definitely. All right. That's great to kind of get an inner understanding of like the workings and how you thought about the low hanging fruit and what Mm -hmm. to do first. Today, like who is on the marketing team? Anything in unique in the way that you're structured that's really effective? And I'd love to understand more on like how do you think about you're kind of a marketplace, right? So you have to think about both sides. You need the companies, you need the moms, the professional women, right? How do you think about both of those sides? You're absolutely right. So being a two-sided marketplace, we truly are unique in general in that we work with companies to hire and elevate women in the workforce and also help them analyze their overall HR strategies and policies to ensure that they really are not just hiring people, but then going a step beyond and really creating these positive experiences for their employees. And then on the other side, we provide that community that I was a part of and still am part of to this day to women to give them a marketplace of like-minded employers who have values similar to our own as Mom Project, but also provide them with support, events, resources, tools to uplift each other. And so because of this, we have marketers woven throughout the business. And I will say that we're going through a bit of a reorg and restructure right now, as many companies at this stage of growth do to get everyone under one centralized unit, but we really are a band of superheroes. We have growth marketers, life cycle and marketing ops to just make it so that you're not just as a business signing up for an account, but actively posting roles to hire folks, brand marketers, partner marketing to help support 
create these brand evangelists and also make it known throughout the company and to potential prospects or hires that you're partnering with the mom project, that you're ready to do the work and to ready to provide this amazing work culture through to creatives and social all working together to make that magic happen at the mom project. So it truly is all hands on deck across the board. And I think that's what allows us to be so effective because we know not just in marketing, but beyond company wide, we're all so aligned and committed to this mission of getting moms more jobs. Yeah. Is the restructuring, does it have to do with like, how can we get more aligned across these teams? Or like, is there something special in the way that you're thinking about realigning? I think it has more to do with, like I said, we're actively recruiting for a VP of marketing, but it's pulling in all these functions that sit across talent and the B2B side, because I think it's more in technical, if you want to put it in that sense of the word, because we just want to, we're working together every day across the business. Why don't we just have it all centralized? And it's more to be able to execute faster, to be able to grow and scale. We have these huge growth goals and we think to operationalize what we're doing, it'd be the best move for us. Makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. Let's talk about marketing as it stands today. Like what would you say is working really well for you right now? What channels? Obviously, you have these big growth goals. Of course, your startup, your Series B. Can you dive a little bit deeper and tell me like what's working well for you? Sure. SEM has worked really well for us. We know that it's a, a channel with higher intent. People know specifically what they're looking for. And when it comes to the mom project, I like to say that we have a leg up because who doesn't know a mom? And once people hear of us, learn about us, see us on CNN or hear about the Accenture news or see us on Good Morning America, the mission is just so moving and inspiring. You want to be a part of it. And so I'm almost able to take advantage of when we have these organic news movements because it's going to impact how many people are coming to your website, how many people are searching for you or what it is that you're doing. And so in addition to SEM, we're also leveraging channels that allow us to target in a more granular way. So not only aiming to provide our team and our company with brand awareness and the sales team with air cover and account-based marketing as they're going out and reaching out to prospects, to do so we're leveraging LinkedIn, Facebook, Stack Adapt, Outbrain, all with a goal of just finding that right mix to drive direct conversions. And when I say direct conversions, I mean people going to the mom project and signing up to partner with us and to start posting roles, but also just continuing to drive that brand awareness and recognizing that it's cyclical. The real challenge is creating that awareness helping businesses of all sizes see and recognize the value and importance of what we're doing and the real business impact that you can have, but also the bonus of social impact. They go together. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you you listed a bunch of different social chant, like where you're doing granular targeting, it's working well for you to get direct conversions. And is that direct conversions on both sides of the marketplace, like you're trying to get people to sign up for, look at roles and apply for them and also companies to post them? 
My role specifically is on the B2B side. So we do have a growth manager that's helping to not only create brand awareness from a talent perspective, but also get more moms and dads and advocates into the community as well. Okay, got it. What is like, can you give some specific examples of like stuff that you're doing on LinkedIn, stuff that you're doing on Facebook that's been really effective? And you did mention granular targeting. Is this like paid ads that you're using on the platforms or is this organic or a mix of both? It isn't on the LinkedIn side. It's a mix of both. You know, I mentioned that we have so much in terms of being featured on CNN and Good Morning America. So I work closely with the social team. If there's a post that's performing really well or something where we have Allison, our CEO, just really hammering home on the message that you should bet on moms, I'm going to go in there and sponsor that post because I want to, my whole goal is to elevate what we're doing. And like I said, continue to drive that awareness. We're also, you know, constantly promoting the content that we have from the eBooks, the reports, the research guides, anything that can help people understand the real data and business impact that the mom project can drive promoting all of the content that we have, the ebooks, the research papers, the guides on how to interview moms and how to make sure that you're not missing out and not judging anyone because of the career gaps or the career pauses that they've had, how to recognize that moms can be more productive, you know, and our time is valuable, what we're able to provide and bring to teams from being empathetic, from being good listeners. I myself have settled many arguments amongst my two-year-old and four-year-old. So just understanding the amazingness that moms can bring to an organization and really highlighting that. What about challenges? What in marketing are you and demand gen? What are you trying to figure out right now? I would say it's important to try and find that right mix also keep marketing fresh. I think as trends and the economy and social issues and consumer preferences and other factors change, we as marketers have to just really take a consistently proactive approach if you want to continue to see conversions and drive those conversions. And as I mentioned, growth is extremely critical and a big OKR that we have at the Mom Project. So Just understanding how to meet people and your buyers and your prospects where they are, finding new channels if something isn't working, really paying keen attention to data and knowing when to, for lack of better words, fail quickly and move on um, if something isn't performing or resonating. As marketers, you almost want to say that you can't measure the impact of brand awareness, but We are very much held to data these days, so you don't want to just burn through cash, right? And and so it's important to know and recognize when a channel isn't performing, when to pivot, or when to keep going. And I'd say that's a strong challenge is this delicate balance of wanting to promote brand awareness and make sure that you're getting the eyeballs and the clicks and the impressions, but also knowing that you're tied to to signups and to driving those conversions, so finding the next best thing is probably my biggest challenge. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. I hear about that. And also the fact that you mentioned like when you should keep something going versus when to stop. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, well, you had mentioned a little bit about Facebook and not really going in that direction. Anything you can say around like what made you decide not to go down that route? Sure. Yeah. I We covered being a two-sided marketplace before. And so one of the issues that I as a demand gen marketer find is you can say, oh, okay, I had 150 conversions or 150 signups. And then you get under the hood and they're actually talent folks and so, and not business leads. And when you think about the mom project, it totally makes sense, right? Maybe Anna works for X company and she gets in and she realizes, holy shit, this organization is amazing. I'm a mom, I want this job. And then she creates a talent profile and no longer wants to be a part of the B2B, you know, component that she originally signed up for. So there's this shift. There's also making sure that, so as a marketer, I then think like, what did I do wrong here? Was it in the messaging? Was it in, that wasn't clear to her that she's signing up as an employer or did she just shift because it appealed to her heart? And so just trying to figure out the right balance there make sure that our messaging is crisp and strong and clear, our calls to action are crisp and strong and clear. And that also if someone did truly intend to be talent that we're capturing them. So showing calls to action to say, hey, if you you want to be a part of the Mom Projects community, then this is how you do that. But it's a wonderful problem to have. It's just something that I'm tasked with, you know, trying to solve as well. Interesting. So the way that I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like somebody that you get as a like lead from Facebook, right? They're supposedly a company. Right. And then, but then they flip over and they're suddenly on the other side of that marketplace, an employee. And then for you, it's like, that wasn't my goal. Exactly. Right, right. Okay. So that just points to the fact that we, no matter what, we always need to test stuff. People can tell you that LinkedIn is the right channel for you, but because every company and every B2B and every B2C and every marketplace is just different, the way that like it lives and breathes is different and works. And you can only find that through testing. So exactly. You can only find that through testing not just being committed to thinking, oh, this is a lead and I'm done, like wash my hands. Like I'm also actively looking at the quality of leads because that's what we care about. And so having those conversations and those fluid conversations with your sales team as well is extremely important. So you're getting that feedback and you're knowing what's working out in the wild. And then maybe I need to shift my message. Can you tell me what you're saying as you're prospecting so that I'm reflecting that and what, you know, I'm putting out into the universe too? Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk about, let's talk about marketing ideas. Have you had like a couple of really good marketing ideas that you've come up with at the mom project? I wouldn't say they're new, but I think it's important to recognize, you know, those low-hanging fruits, if you will, are those opportunities. So I mentioned this before, but knowing that the MOM project also has this amazing proprietary, incredible research and content coming out of our work labs, this division, and that we pride ourselves on leading 
insights and how to best unlock the amazing talent of moms, I knew that that in itself is just ready-made like content gold, right? So I immediately spun into action and started fueling our campaigns with this content. Instead of reinventing the wheel, turning research and data into derivative assets that engage people. So then that becomes your ebook, that becomes your reports, that becomes your three steps on how to do X, Y, Z or checklist. And people have been gobbling up. We hadn't done it before, but I'm glad that we are now because it it becomes not only things that fuel my campaigns, but then the sales team can use it in their outreach as, as well. So it definitely helps. Another idea I had was just leveraging the power of testimonials in our assets and creative. That's also not new, but it's incredibly effective, just the sheer power of testimonials and how they complement and amplify other marketing tactics and efforts. So if you, it just tells people like your prospective customers and buyers that your product, your service really works like it should. And also it creates a, almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, I guess, regarding your connection with your target audience. So customers naturally trust each other more than they trust a marketer or a business telling them, you know, what you offer. And I think it just adds more weight to the decision that they're trying to make and helps them see themselves partnering with the mom projects. It's extremely powerful. And I've been spinning those up into ad creatives, creating gifts, adding to our landing pages and anywhere that I can. And since doing that, just seeing a huge uplift for sure. Awesome. And like, I think it's a really fair point to say that marketing ideas, sometimes you start from a place of like, we're not really doing the stuff we should be doing. So here's an idea. Let's do this effective stuff. And that's already going to be great because it's effective. (laughs) So sometimes that's where the ideas, right, need to begin is like, we're not doing something we should be. And this is going to be really effective. So I love that you mentioned that. I also wanted to say quickly that like the research, I think you've almost taken the place of some of these larger companies, consulting companies, right? That we turn to for research, research backed insights. And even on your website, I noticed like you have 86% of working moms will leave a job for an opportunity that better supports their work and life consideration. Or 75% of women surveyed believe their employer Employer support of work-life flexibility is the most important criteria for feeling respected at work. And so you're kind of like bringing in, you're almost like the gardener. I don't know what you can compare yourself to, but you're right. This research is gold and it puts you in like a place that's far above and beyond what anyone else can just like a B2B marketplace. It's more than that because you're doing some of like this really fascinating research that you can also use for your content. So that's really cool. Absolutely. And so powerful. And it's great to be able to be like, oh, I need this data or this proof point. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, I have it because we're producing that, you know, and we're thought leaders in the space. So it definitely gives us a competitive advantage and just adds this weight to what we're doing, you know. Absolutely. Do you have a separate team that like sends out surveys or how do you go about getting that data? Our, and I'd love to introduce you to that team. I can certainly make an intro, but Dr. Pamela Cohen, she leads up our work labs function and they're constantly putting out 
surveys, like you mentioned, we've even done them internally. I mean, they just put out a Moms of Color report where they reached out to several women just to understand the impacts of the pandemic and, you know, of the last year on the workforce and what, you know, moms are doing. And those ideas come from just reading and seeing what the world is talking about. It can come from internally, just us having this need to understand something or even from a partner looking to understand ways that they can better improve. So it's truly incredible what we're doing. That's awesome. Wonderful. How do you stay creative? Would love to ask you that question. I just think it's important to keep a pulse on, you know, what's going on. And I mentioned this earlier, but, you know, we're still very much in the middle of a pandemic. So when I think about what the buying audience is doing as it relates to what we could be, where we should be and where we should be marketing, I think about myself too. Like I'm at home, I'm consuming more, I'm listening to more podcasts and soon I'll be listening to myself on here, attending more webinars or listening to recorded webinars. I subscribe to a ton of newsletters and publications I devote a huge chunk of my day just to try to keep up on industry trends. I join a bunch of marketing discussion groups on LinkedIn and obviously won't tell them that, but keep a pulse on what competitors in the space are doing just really and set up Google search terms for words, keywords that really matter to me. And then constantly look at our internal data to see opportunities where I can experiment with different approaches and platforms or types of events and think about what like our audience would respond to most. So love that. Okay. Thanks for the ideas. And yeah, it's just that time when content people are at home and you want to learn, you want to think, you want to just like relax. All Mm -hmm. of that is part of the consuming more content trend for sure. What would you say are some bad recommendations in demand generation that you have gotten maybe over in the past or as you're listening in on social, you're hearing some of this stuff, like what comes to mind? That's a good question because we've decided to do this on our own as well as around attribution analysis. So a bad recommendation I'd say is to only focus on first touch attributions when it comes to your marketing campaigns. And we've recently made the switch. I think it's important to make sure that you're measuring what matters across all stages, both early and late. So first and multi-touch, it's easy to fall into the trap at just looking at the top of the funnel, but it can also be dangerous because you have to get down all the way through revenue or opportunity and really look at those down funnel metrics to see what programs and tactics are effective and not only just rely on first touch. So the things that bring in the target because it doesn't tell the full story. When you focus on multi-touch, you're instead equally dividing credit amongst all of the programs that someone engaged with. So I talked about those content downloads or the eBooks as an example. Maybe someone first does that and then they register for an event. Then they download one of our amazing reports or attend another event that we have. And then they decide to connect with the rep because they feel fully informed. 
first touch attribution would only let you know that first thing that they engage with, and maybe you wouldn't realize that they go on to become a lead, right? But multi-touch lets you know all of the channels that are effective at moving them through that buyer journey, and they tell different sides of the story. Have you found a story, like I'm just curious, have you found any touch point story across the journey that like usually if we get someone to read the ebook and attend three events, then they'll want to talk to a rep or is it kind of all over the place? I personally feel like it's all over the place. You know, there are some people that might come in and being a two-sided marketplace could shift back and forth. So we see many instances of people being on the talent and the business side that's an example. There are people that, I guess I can reference this one, may have signed up in early 2019. And then things shift, needs shift, maybe the pandemic hits. And for a few months out of last year, 2020, no one was hiring. There was a freeze. And then your business strategy shifts. And all of a sudden, we re-engage you. We hit you with a new event that's coming up. Or we have this new piece of content and you're in a better place or you're in a place where you're ready to buy and it makes sense for your business. So that's why I say multi-touch is so important because we have people actively signing up today that may have joined the platform, you know, two years ago, but now it makes sense because we mentioned all of these things are happening at once, this need for change and these commitments to diversity and also this recognition that you want to stop the backslide of what's happening to moms and you want to get involved. Yeah, so it's almost like because it can be all over the place and you're getting people that are like at first they're interested to be on the talent side and then they're interested to be on the business side and you kind of have to think of it as like we are there for you in the way that you need us to be. Mm-hmm. And when you're ready, then you're going to talk to a sales rep. Is that yeah. kind of how you go about, or exactly. is that the approach? Okay. That is the approach. Okay, cool. Let's talk a little bit about failing. And this is something maybe I've been seeing more about this. People are like opening up more on social media. You know, everybody, when you step out of your comfort zone, you're more likely to fail. So with your own life, how has an apparent failure set you up for later success? Like what's your favorite failure? I'm all about reframing and seeing every experience I've had as an opportunity for a lesson learned and a key takeaway instead of failures per se. But the first or one that I can specifically think of and is highly relevant is I mentioned earlier, like I stepped out of my comfort zone. I left a comfortable role and took on a new role that was just not a fit for me. About three months into my time, I realized that the environment felt a bit toxic, intense feedback loops that were counterproductive, but most of all, no work-life balance that was promised. And, you know, that's tough on moms. I felt that in order to excel and succeed, which I certainly wanted to do and I did, came at the cost of like myself and being there for my family. And so I realized I was ignoring self-care, my children, and on those Zoom calls all day just to be able to get my work done. And then, you know, I'd sunk into an unbearable place, but I flipped that experience on its head. It was rough and a time that I'm extremely thankful for, just knowing you know, that I could do everything, 
but that I didn't need to, I think is just critical to understand. I deserved more and that there were companies out there that were really changing the game, like the mom project, where you don't have to sacrifice your well-being to get the job done. Companies who understand and recognize that moms deliver. And so I feel like it's near and dear to me. It's part of my story and part of the mom project story, if you will, just understanding that there are companies out there who get it. Yeah. And I loved the quote that you said about like, I know I could do everything, but I didn't have to. It's like getting to that realization. We could push ourselves. We could like lose sleep, make it up on the weekends. We can, you know, but at some point you need to almost like get off the wheel and ask yourself, but do I have to do this? Do Do I I have to? Right. Do I have to? I can, but do I have to? And do I want to? Is that serving my soul? You know, it has to be symbiotic too. You have to be getting something to be giving so much of yourself. And it means so much more when you're making an impact. Absolutely. Thank you. I think it's going to connect with a lot of the listeners. I actually do have like a fair share of 23 to 27 year olds along with 28 to, you know, 45, 55 year olds. But This is going to hit home for a lot of people and I think be very helpful. So thanks for sharing that. I wanted to ask you if there's anything that you want to share that's like more personal, something that's a little strange that maybe others don't quite understand, but it's just, it's personal. It's you, something you love. I myself do not like scary movies or gory movies or shows but I can watch like a real like life crime series, like nobody's business. And I don't think it makes sense. It certainly doesn't make sense to my husband. He's like, so you won't watch a scary movie with me, but you can sit here through hours and hours of like what happened to somebody in the past. So I think when it's rooted in reality, I can deal with it. And I know that sounds strange, but I just love those crime stories. That's really interesting. I hate horror movies and anything scary. I'm like, I have enough just like worrying about my kids and what will the future bring? I'm just, I don't want that scary movie with like who's standing behind the door with a knife. So, (laughs) so thank you, Tara, this has been lovely. I am so glad that you came on here to share your story, to share all the cool things happening at the mom project, the growth that you're seeing and the fact that you're really like, you have been caught in this time where you're so needed, clearly. Moms need you, companies need you, and it's great to, I'm sure that you feel this way, like it's great to be part of something that has a mission that's bigger than yourself and you're helping moms like yourself to succeed professionally. So thanks for coming here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Awesome. And I just wanted to share that um, to reach Tara, you can go on LinkedIn, Tara Hudson. And to find out more about The Mom Project, you can go to themomproject.com. Thanks, Tara. Thank you, Anna. Thanks for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping regularly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Anna Firminov, or visit my website, firminovmarketing.com.